0: Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we take a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who actually runs the mob. Palmer, how are you today? How am I? How am I? You're my kid brother, Tim, and you ask me how am I? I mean, I am younger than you. Yeah. Was that? Wait, let me guess. The Towering Inferno. Yes. Nailed it. Send Palmer off to do this. Send Palmer off to do that. I'm smart. <laughs> I'm smart, and I want respect. Okay, okay. Well, next time, don't burn down a skyscraper. Aww. Oh, But I want to. But it was there. <laughs> Oh, it was there. We are here to talk about the 1975 Best Picture Oscar nominees. They are as follows Chinatown, Godfather Part 2, The Conversation, The Towering Inferno, and Lenny. Yep. Palmer, what one Best Picture? Godfather 2. Godfather 2. It's Godfather Part 2. Let's be serious here. Mm-hmm. That is actually part of the name. Are you okay with that? Not really. Okay, well. I'm skipping this episode now. Everybody's dead involved, so. No, no. It yeah, has nope, Nobody's, nobody's it has De Niro and Pacino. Nope, nobody. <laughs> nope. Those were completely recreated CG characters for the Irishman. And, and Robert Duvall. He was not in the Irishman at all. No. Or maybe he was. No, he wasn't. No. No, okay. Palmer, let's talk about Chinatown first. Okay. It was directed by Roman Polanski. Did you know that? I did. Excellent. That's all we're going to say on that. Written by <laughs> Robert Towne, starring Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway, It was nominated for a heap of awards. Best Picture, Best Actor for Nicholson, Best Actress for Dunaway, Director, Cinematography, Art Direction, Costume Design, Sound Editing, Music. It won Best Writing. Best Animated Feature. It won won (laughs) Best Short Documentary. Best Short Documentary. It's a documentary about Chinatown. (laughs) All of them. All of them. (laughs) Every single one. Uh, It won Best Original Writing, which is fun. One best original? Yeah, Chinatown is not based based, off a book. It is not. Huh. Yep. All right. You say so. But that's what the internet tells me. Oh, well. I mean, feel free to look it up and prove the internet wrong. No. No, no. If you've never seen Chinatown before, shame on you. Uh, The plot involves a private detective played by Nicholson who is hired to expose an adulterer and he is caught up in a web of deceit. Deceit, corruption, lies, sexiness cigarette smoking pretty much anything that a detective gets caught up in right exactly this this live this disney live action remake of uh who framed roger rabbit really took a dark it did take a dark turn roger rabbit wasn't in it at all no what a a weird twist it also came out like eight years before who framed roger rabbit I don't know, it was more than ten years before. Wait, when was Roger, Roger Rabbit? Like come out? late eighties, 80s. late eighties. 80s. It came out eighty five. Oh so. no 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 no, oh, no no! So this has been eleven years. Oh well, oh well. I was wrong. Anyway, someone actually asked me to describe this uh, movie recently. They were like, just like. Tell me, like, quickly what it is. And I said moody and twisty. You should say, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. <laughs> I, I and then walk away. I should have. Even though that person's name was not Jake. It doesn't matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, moody and twisty. Um, twisty. I don't know if I would say moody. Not moody in the way, like, oh, man, I'm going to the mall where real people understand me. Not that kind of moody. Like Who says that? Teenagers. I don't think you know any teenagers. I know a lot of teenagers. That's my job mm-hmm. as a high school teacher. If you say so, indeed. Every time I say that in class, they're like, Haha, "Yeah, that's what we do. It's fun." They're lying to you. I mean, of course they are. They're teenagers, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh no, moody in the way that film noir has a particular tone it's to it, atmospheric. Yeah, it's mood. It's, it's called mood. It's atmospheric and twisty. Yes, it's not as fun. Atmo- it's atmospheric and twisty. It's a mouthful. Yeah. What it's did you think mouthful. of this movie? I really liked it. You've seen it before? Yes. How many times? Once. This is. I was. This is not a game that we're normally playing. <laughs> just. Just out of curiosity. Yeah. Tri- no. Chinatown is one of those films that extends beyond the Academy Awards. Right. I think. Yeah. No. I've only seen it once before. I also remember it being longer. Like, it's only, like, two hours. It's like two and ten or something yeah. like that. It's, it. it I mean, it's a, It's longer than two hours, but it moves. It does. It moves pretty well. And it is fantastically acted. Oh, yes. I always forget that it's Faye Dunaway. If, if that. That's because we cannot imagine Faye Dunaway ever being younger than. What she was in Don Juan DeMarco. Yes, that is what I think of Faye Dunaway in all the time. That's what I do. Don Juan DeMarco. That's not even, <laughs> for the love of God. Um, You're going to think that every time no, you I'm watch not, Phantom no. Now. Just me, like like that guy in The Godfather Part 2. Hello, it's me in the car. <laughs> but it's just me popping up and going, Don Juan DeMarco. Hello, it's me, Don. Uh <laughs> You know, it's it's written very well, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm happy that it got a writing award. I will say Jack Nicholson, I like Jack and all, but he can never, like, it's always Jack. It's always Jack. Yeah. I think he knows that, though, because he, he, that, just a couple of years ago, somebody asked him, like, do you ever rewatch yourself in movies? And he said, no, I recognize myself. The only movie I don't recognize myself in is Batman. I'm like, well, that's good. No, I still recognize him in Batman. Uh, there are elements of I think once he becomes the Joker in Batman, he's a little less recognizable because of the white makeup. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was. He was. Uh, he was. As Chinatown, Jack Nicholson. He's great as the Joker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's deadly serious and a yeah. good guy. But yeah, sure. But. I mean, that's when you should have cast Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Sure. Do you think that Chinatown elevates film noir or the material that it presents, or is it kind of just like, it's a good movie? I don't think anything really elevates film noir. And that's because... I don't know. We've seen some pretty... We've seen some pretty bad film noir. We've seen some bad film noir, but... There's a difference between bad film noir and good film noir. I don't think good film noir elevates the genre. It's just good. It's just a good movie. Like, when it's done right, it's a really good genre. So are you saying that if a movie is done well, it go, it's beyond a genre? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying, like, this genre can be good. Mm-hmm. I've yet to see something that I think like surpasses the genre. Oh, I see. I see. And I don't think Chinatown does that. I think it's a, it's almost a perfect example of film noir. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I don't think it does anything to elevate it. Yeah, I would agree I agree because with a, you. Because yeah. a lot of the stuff is always just the same stuff. You have the femme fatale, you have the twist, you have the obvious people who are shady. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. That being said, this movie looks beautiful. Oh yes, and there was a well. It's Polanski. He may not be a beautiful person, but his movies yeah. certainly are. There was a um, there was a great shot when he was taking a picture, I believe at the lake, and it zooms into him holding his camera up to his eye, mm-hmm. and you see the shot in the reflection of the lens. Oh yeah, and that was such a great like moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I. I mean, I agree. I don't think I have much. to... See, here's the thing: I don't have much to say about Chinatown. It's almost like Shawshank Redemption. Remember this year, where you're like, "There's like," I mean, you could dive, you could do a real deep dive into it if you gave it time and thought and all that stuff. But I don't have anything to pull apart because it's kind of just well made. Uh, yeah. Like if we sat here and watched the movie as we were recording. And did like Mm -hmm. a commentary track. Sure. We could do that. That is the one thing missing from Academy Rewind. Right. Um, Anyway, so (laughs) like we could do that. We could make and we could make observations seeing it. But just going over the film, like you can be like, yeah, the acting was good. The story was good. You know, visually, it looked really good. So, you know. Yeah. There there's that. There is that. Like there, you, you like I correct. don't know if I could think of a fault in the movie. I, not honestly? No, not really. I don't think I think but I mean like does it elevate its material? I don't think it does. I think it is a great example of like I right. said of yeah. film noir, but it doesn't do anything better than what it is. Right. And That's not a bad thing no, and I think at that's, all. I think that's a I think that's a thing of the genre too. Like I think it's very difficult to do that in film noir. <laughs> I think you have to I think film noir has to be type like to elevate it in some way you almost have to like it has to be a pastiche where you have to combine it with another genre. I think so, it's not even like 'cause we've done LA Confidential. No nope, it doesn't elevate the genre. Yeah, great no, movie. Like doesn't great movie, doesn't genre. elevate the genre. And I think it's because like We've all seen, like, so many examples of film noir throughout mm-hmm. film history that it's just there. Like, there's not really much new to do with it. No, that's true. Because um, if you do, it's no longer pure the, the film you want. Yeah. It's not pure noir anymore. Yeah. Then it's sci-fi noir. It's like Blade. Then it's Blade Runner. Or right, which like is that. a horrible thing, and no one should ever watch it. Ooh, hot take. Agree with you. Hot take. Actually, I don't... <laughs> I like I do like I think the movie is I think the movie's important. I don't like it it's, just because I find it slow. Well, see, for me it's typical Ridley, Ridley Scott. Scott. Like it looks great. It looks phenomenal. Like it is such the dingiest prettiest looking thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And if I saw the trailer of it, I would be like I'm going to see this movie cuz it's going to be great. And then it'll not be as good as the trailer. Because of, the, like, Ridley Scott's biggest downfall is his pacing. Yeah. I, I Sometimes controversial choices. He doesn't listen to his gut. Um, yeah. Or the guts of others, maybe. Um, this will probably come up throughout uh, a little bit more in the episode. But one of the things online right now, um, you know, The Irishman is out, and it's like three hours and 17 days long. That's right. And people have said, you know, it's a little too long. And I see these, like, film uh, purists, Mm -hmm. like, no, the movie is the length it should be. Every minute is because, you know, no movie is too long. No movie is ever too long. Like, every second is is designed to do something. Mm -hmm. No, there's a difference between a movie being good for its entire runtime and a movie being too long. Just because it still does something after it doesn't mean it couldn't have been done sooner. Uh, y- uh, y- yes, I would agree with you. There are, my I watch a movie, and this will definitely come up later in this yeah. episode. They will go watch a movie. This could have been twenty minutes shorter. Here's where you cut, 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 yep. cut cleaner movie all around, yeah. and we're moving on. And it has nothing to do with I've got stuff to do, and I've got a. Um, it has everything to do with it. Uh, it has everything to do with investment. Exactly, and and to some extent, there's a story that you're telling me, and there's a story that I'm that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. Like this is the reason I'm watching this movie. Once that story's done, I don't need another hour to wrap up every single person's life. Are you talking about the Irishman, or are you talking about Chinatown? Uh, no, Chinatown, like... Oh, it's, we're, we're on for We're moved on from No, no, Chinatown. Chinatown's like two hours and ten minutes. It doesn't suffer from oh, this okay. problem. okay. Yeah, so we are talking I about Irish. Uh, we could be talking about, like, Godfather and other stuff, too. Because what I'm saying is, um, like, Chinatown, for its pacing, could end up fitting in that mold. But it does a good job of knowing when it's done. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Yep. And when it's done, it's like, I'm out. Because it wraps up incredibly fast, very fast, very, very fast. Yeah, yep, I agree. Couldn't agree more. Actually, fun facts on Chinatown, and then we're moving on. Yeah, fun facts on Chinatown. It is only two hours and ten minutes. That's uh, that's a uh, mediocrely fun fact. Well, at the time of filming, Jack Nicholson had just embarked on his long-standing relationship with Angelica Houston. This made his scenes with her father John Houston rather uncomfortable, especially as the only time Angelica was on set was the day they were filming the scene where Noah Cross interrogates Nicholson's character with, Mr. Getz, did you sleep with my daughter? (laughs) That's great. Faye Dunaway and Roman Polanski were notorious for their on-set arguments. During filmmaking, Polanski pulled out some strands of Dunaway's hair. On another occasion, she asked him what her character's motivation was. He exploded. Just say the effing words. Your salary is your motivation. Wow. I mean, he's he's not no, wrong. Not wrong, But at the same time, wow. To be fair, I don't know if I included it in Towering Inferno because Faye Dunaway is also in that. Mm-hmm. A lot of cross-pollination. Yeah. Of this, this um, it doesn't seem like at this period of time, Faye Dunaway is the best person to work with. Oh. Okay. There were some issues on Towering Inferno as well. Oh. So, I mean, this is at like the height of her popularity. She's got this, she's got Towering Inferno, um Rosemary's Baby. Is she, is she Rosemary's Baby? Uh she's not the baby. No. Is no. she's Rose is she's Rosemary's Baby? She's Rosemary's Baby. Is she Rosemary? She she could be. <laughs> she's not a herb. No. Uh, I think so. I think you're right. Hold is on. Is she parsley, sage, rosemary or thyme? Rosemary and thyme. And loud, no. Like Mia so. Farrow is no. Rosemary's baby. Well, then I got nothing. Hope At one great. point, Roman Polanski and Jack Nicholson got into such a heated argument that Polanski smashed Nicholson's portable television with a mop. Nicholson used the television to watch the L.A. Lakers basketball games and kept stalling shooting. Wow. Yes, Nicholson is a notorious is oh. a notorious Lakers L.A. Smith. Lakers fan, um, to the extent of a f- like when he was still, like, doing a lot of... He wasn't really acting as much, but he was still doing a lot of functions. They had a game the same day as the Oscars, and he went from, like, the Oscars, changing the limo, to presenting the Best Picture Award that year. Mm. You're thinking of either Village of the Damned... Net, where you're thinking of Network. That was her other... Three Days of the Condor. Those were Faye Dunaway's big movies around this time. Yeah, the three so Musketeers, I was the thinking of the Four Musketeers. I've never, I've never heard of the rest of them. Supergirl. Oh, yeah, Supergirl. Yeah, right. That is such a great movie. What year are we reviewing (laughs) that? Oh, my gosh. 1984, we passed it. What? Why didn't we... It would have been last episode. Why why not? It wasn't nominated. I wasn't alive. Lies. This is your fault. Lies. I wasn't alive. Hmm. It's your fault. Anyway. You were alive. What's the next movie? The next movie is The Conversation. Look at how sad your cat is after hearing that. He is asleep. There is a big difference. (laughs) Nope, his eyes are open. (laughs) Okay. You were talking about him. The conversation directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by Francis Ford Coppola, done in between Godfather and Godfather Part Two. Francis Ford Coppola, Uh, starring Gene Hackman, John Cazale of Godfather Part Two, Alan Garfield, Harrison Ford of Harrison Ford of Harrison Ford, (laughs) and Robert Duvall of of Godfather Godfather Part Part Two. When you say he he was doing this in between Godfather and Godfather Part Two, you mean like in between the scenes? In between the scenes, yeah. yes. Yeah. He made Godfather, and he was like, ooh, that movie was big. I made him make a small movie, made the conversation, got nominated. But in that year, he also made Godfather Part Two and was nominated for yeah. both. What a year. <laughs> he, th- this was the heyday of Francis Ford. A what a country. What uh, a country. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Original Writing, which it lost to Chinatown, uh, and Best Sound. It won zero awards yeah that sounds about right You did not like this movie Uh, hold on let me tell the plot first okay this is not a this is not one of the more famous ones it is about a paranoid um surveillance expert played by gene hackman who thinks that the people he is surveying um are going to be murdered and he has a kind of a crisis of conscience about it um then stuff happens and whatever else I was very excited about the conversation mm-hmm. because uh, it's kind of lauded for its sound editing, especially at the time that the sound editing is so important to the film because right. it's all about sound and surveillance and whatever else. Mm-hmm. I think that part was great. Yes, and I don't dislike the movie. No, there I is either. there is a really good movie idea in this movie, mm-hmm. but yes. this movie just doesn't do enough with that. It wastes more time on just him being alive. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. He doesn't, he kind of floats. He's a paranoid guy. He kind of, he doesn't trust anybody. So then the audience doesn't really trust him either because this is like, he's just a, a, it's the audio, the sound is great. Right. The movie is bland otherwise. Yes. Except, except for Harrison Ford. He's great Harrison Ford is really good um I will say, like once you get to like the last half hour really that's really, yeah it's really cranked that's mm-hmm. that's really good, but that's the kind of movie it should have been all along, yep, and if they would have it i'm not and not necessarily expand out that last half hour, but if they made a movie built around that last half hour. It would have been a, it would have been like a really good movie. And this is less than two hours. This is not a long movie. No, yeah. It's not a long movie. And it, I'm not saying it drags or it's boring. It's just kind of like the people that are doing stuff are doing it fine, but the material is just very thin. It's also fine. I think this would have made an excellent short film, but yes. it added an hour. Yeah. That's, you know. Yeah. If, if this was what he wanted to do, this is a short film if you want to do what the last half hour is, which is him kind of like being paranoid, paranoid and, you know, not wanting to give his stuff over to the people that he's working for, the people that he's working for pretty much telling him outright, like we can hear what you're talking about. You know, we, we have eyes on you. Don't do anything stupid. Like if that's the entire movie, this is a much better movie because there's some meat to that bone. Yeah. But this is just like him handing in the information, wondering what they're going to do with it, and then him going to a party with friends and just being distant and and blasé. Yes, that is correct. That is what this movie is about. And then freaking out about it. I don't I don't know. I I was kind of intrigued the whole time, but at the same time, extremely distant from it. Yeah, like you're like, all right, like, uh, all right. Why is he? Why does he think these people are going to kill them? Mm -hmm. Or why does he think they're they're following him? But it just never does enough with that. Nope, doesn't really. And it never really gives you reason to believe him either. No, it doesn't. No, it definitely doesn't. I. I don't really want to spoil it in case people do watch it. It's on Amazon Prime at the time of us yes, wa- watching Yes, everything, everything this year was on Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime, except yeah. Towering Inferno. Yep. Nope, nope, that wasn't. Definitely didn't get that on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do just kind of want... An edited version of this movie of Gene Hackman playing with sound equipment from the 70s, though just a lot of clicks and buttons and whatever else. Like that part <laughs> of me was like, "Yeah, I want to press all those buttons too." That looks fun. Besides oh, that, whatever. Well, then wait till we get to Towering Inferno. That guy had lots of buttons you know, to push, mental buttons. Anyway, give me some, give me some fun facts. Harrison Ford's part was initially intended to be a small cameo, written as little more than an office assistant. Feeling the character was one dimensional Ford decided to play him as gay, a risky choice in 1974 and personality purchased and personally purchased the loud green silk suit for $900. Wow. Francis Ford Coppola was the first was at first shocked by the outfit at rehearsals. But after discussing it with Ford was so impressed with this interpretation that he expanded the role into a supporting character, gave the name, gave the character a name, Martin Stett, and had production design Dean Tevalaris create an office that reflected the character's orientation. Hmm. I read that fun fact um, before seeing the movie. Oh. And I couldn't tell he was playing a gay guy. Me either. That's why I was so surprised (laughs) by that information. Yeah. Yeah. The original cut was four and a half hours long. Oh, Oh God. God. Francis Ford Coppola. I was going to say, this is a short movie for Francis Ford Coppola. It's under two hours. Most significant was a subject of Harry dealing with his neighbors who complain about the building's plumbing problems, unaware that Harry owns the building. Other scenes feature Harry consulting his lawyer, played by Abe Vigoda, about the apartment situation and Harry convincing his teenage niece, played by Mackenzie Phillips, not to run away from home. The fact that we could have gotten Abe Vigoda in this movie, I'm very saddened that we didn't. I, at the same time, that is all very unnecessary. Yes, but Abe Vigoda. Mm, good point. Is that Was that the last one? Fact? Nope, one more. Okay. There's a scene in the movie where the... Yeah, okay. There's a scene in the movie where the music-only version of the song, I Have But One Heart, can be heard on the radio. That is the same song Johnny Fontaine sings at the wedding in The Godfather, another Francis Ford Coppola film. Johnny Fontaine. I love Johnny Fontaine. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like he has a dead raccoon on top of his head. He, Johnny um, Fontaine. I think he does. Oh, interesting. Johnny Fontaine. Il- anyway, Towering Inferno. Yep. Towering Inferno, directed by John Guillermin, written by, well, the novel from the three writers of Starling Siliphant, Richard Martin uh it's Richard Martin Stern Thomas N Scortia, and uh Frank M Robinson who that was tough that and was here's very tough to you Frank M Robinson, Robinson. Do, 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 do. great stuff starring are you ready yep here we go Steve McQueen Paul Newman William Holden Faye Dunaway Fred Astaire Susan Blakely Richard Chamberlain Jennifer Jones O J Simpson Robert Vaughn Robert Wagner I pretty much just stopped writing names down <laughs> at that point there's probably more <laughs> you're on screen for two minutes you're on screen for 30 seconds mm-hmm. and honestly that's Wait, this is the cast of the Poseidon adventure also that uh, this movie was nominated for best picture supporting actor for Fred Astaire art direction sound and music uh, John Williams did this music by the way but not and, for special effects Nope, nope. There was no special. No, I know. There was well, I was there waiting was, for you yeah. to realize that. Yeah, yeah, there was no special effects. Uh, this movie: one cinematography, editing, an original song. We may never love like this again. Which I finally heard, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know this song. Like, it's not, it's not. There's got to be a morning after, like from Poseidon Adventure. Hmm. Yeah, no, no, this not. So anyway, so the the. Plot is there's a there's a new skyscraper that opens in San Francisco and the wiring is faulty because of evil people and evil corporate pe- evil corporate people and the seventies man and uh, it threatens and there's a fire and it threatens to kill everybody unless Thomas Newman can save them not Thomas Newman Paul Newman and Steve McQueen yeah because Steve McQueen's a fire guy yeah. yeah. Yeah, if only you would trust the firemen. We'll show you how to build these buildings. Why is he sounding like John Wayne? Oh, I should have done my John Wayne, actually. Get off of your horse and head into the cellar. Why does that sound like Steve McQueen? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. know. Um, You know, this movie... um, this movie is not good, Palmer. <laughs> you tried real this, hard to say. That I, this, I was going to say this movie is a length of time. This movie is almost three hours. It's two hours and 45 minutes. And it's about a building that's on fire. But because this is not of, Titanic. But because of this movie, we get. Michael Bay and Roland Emmerich's careers. Oh, sure. I'm not saying. See, is that this is a prime example of a movie being great in its day and not aging well, see, and not because it's poorly made, just because it's so boring. See, I don't, I don't think it is. Yeah, I thought. It and was the boring. fact that, like, it catches on fire for a three-hour movie, it catches on fire fairly quickly. Like this isn't I disagree. I think it took forty-five minutes for the building. No, to catch it was fire. less than that. Like, the building was on fire within the first 20. I don't think so, but they were. I wasn't checking, so I'll believe you. Um, they were, and it was the slowest building fire ever. Like, first 20 <laughs> minutes, first 45 minutes, it's now, like, in a small thing. But in any event, uh, you know, it's a real fire. Yes. They, they used real fire. Yes, you can tell. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't really have a choice. It was either that or paper mache with wind. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and just people going, crackle, crackle, crackle. 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 <laughs> Stop it, Paul Newman. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> but So, you know, it's not like Titanic where like the first hour is you're being introduced to all these characters. In the Or the first two hours. And then the third hour is the boat sinking. Mm-hmm. This thing's on fire throughout most of the film. It's got a really good cast. That doesn't cast. really have anything to do. Nope, they're just like you're a name. You're coming in for like thirty seconds. Yeah, it's just a fun. Paul floor Newman fight cameo. is the star of this film. That's right. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was fine. I mean, I it's weird that it gets nominated because these type of movies typically don't yeah it's it's a strange i felt that it's a strange nomination cuz it's it's really just a glorified action movie but i think there was some it's a very it's it's the age before sensational movies right it's the age before the summer blockbuster right literally the the year before the summer blockbuster right, with jaws right you have jaws come out next right. year so i think this it almost sits in the category of like, the biblical epics that don't have a lot going for them apart from their epicness. You know what I mean? D- Looking at that... you, King of Kings. Kind of. King of Kings is really slow. Um, Looking at you, Jesus of Nazareth. That's a TV movie. Also really slow. <laughs> also really long. Yeah, I think it's like six hours. Yeah. Maybe maybe three. I'm not positive. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's like, definitely It's six. like okay, four right. or five. All right, anyway. Um, three hours. <laughs> I think, I think t- Towering Inferno kind of sits into that, like, Anthony Cleopatra kind you know that um, that kind of era of Hollywood we'll find out when we see Cleopatra well, won't we? Uh, I, you know which is funny because we're like you know next year is when the summer blockbusters start because you have Jaws. but yet this year, like in this time period before Jaws comes out mm-hmm. around the same year because I don't remember if they're all in the same year, but you have airport, which is another disaster movie. you have Poseidon Adventure, another disaster movie. you have Towering Inferno. Like these all came out in rather quick succession. Um, I'll look it up for you. Airport came out in seventy seven. All right, so that's a few years, and then P- Poseidon. Adventure, which I believe is might be the year before this or the same year. Poseidon Adventure came out in. Okay, fine. Don't load whatever computer. It's confused it doesn't want to tell me. Yeah, well, Google's just like, nope, I've stopped working. You looked <laughs> up the Poseidon Adventure. You don't get to know anything nope. anymore. So so it's weird like we think of the summer got it, 1972. All right, so it came out 2 years prior. So it's weird like the su- the like the summer blockbuster thing started with Jaws. Well, Poseidon Adventure came out in December, so that makes sense. Yeah, but like the term blockbuster, not oh, not necessarily summer blockbuster. Just the term blockbuster is is done because of Jaws. That's right. People lined up on the block. They right. broke the they sidewalk. They busted the right. Not the earthquakes in L.A. No, no, no. Oh, right. There's an earthquake too. I wonder when that came out. Or, uh, yesterday, I don't know. So, I mean, there's a lot of production that goes into this movie. Seventy four. Yeah. So there's a lot a lot of production in this movie, mm-hmm. and I think that is, like, this is at a time where movies don't typically have that. Nope. I think you're right. Stunts are good. Special yeah. effects are good. Well, a lot of the stunts were done by the same people. Like, Steve McQueen jumping into onto the building from the helicopter mm-hmm. is Steve McQueen. That's pretty crazy, actually. Yes. That, all of that stuff, it's good. It I just could have been... 45 minutes short. So, what I'm saying is that's why he gets nominated because mm-hmm. this is like the only time you get these sort of effects heavy movies mm-hmm. is the sci fi B movies or the, or the Ray Harryhausen stuff. Right. Which aren't necessarily bad movies, but they're not looked on in the same grandeur. <laughs> no, they are not Oscar movies. I, I have a Ray Harryhausen book sitting right there. Right. If you turn your head, you can see it. I love Ray Harryhausen. Other direction. That's all I am. That other direction. Oh. Yeah, right yes, yes. you fought it for me. I know, I know. Never... I know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's sad that like, like during his heyday, there was no uh, special effects. I Oscar. know, I know. But, but without Ray Harryhausen doing his thing, you don't really get people doing their thing later, right? And so, his and you know the good thing about others. the Tower of Inferno, whether you whether you like it or you hate it, this movie visually mm. holds up. None of the effects look dated. Disagree. Only one looks dated. Okay. And it's not necessarily the effect. It's a stunt in which the woman falls out of the elevator. Right. Looks a little di- it, it, the But she the literally fell out of the co- elevator. I know, but the way it's choreographed... It she actually doesn't. died during that. No, that's not true. No. No. Uh, but I was thinking about it when I was seeing like the fire effects and all that. I'm like... I miss this type of practical effects because nowadays, after five years, you go back and watch something that's CGI heavy. It already looks dated. It kind of looks dated the next year. Sometimes yeah. it's just wait till the next. And one as much as out. I love Ray Harryhausen, just the just the way they had to film the stop motion stuff. Yeah, it doesn't. Look it cool. does look like the film looks dated. The effect still looks great, but it looks because it's sure. bad green screen. now. That's right. That's right. So, uh, fun facts for Towering Inferno. Yeah. Uh, the largest set constructed for the movie was the promenade deck, the site of the party on the 135th floor. It covered a total area of 11,000 square feet, was 25 feet high and enclosed by a 340 foot cloth paint, uh, cloth painted to resemble the San Francisco skyline. Wow. The set was around 10 feet off the ground to allow the water in the climax to be drained off. And also to be given a sense of height to the shots of people being forced through windows. The set cost $300,000. Wow. During filming. Well, $300,000 in 1973. Yeah, that's like right. $18 billion nowadays. Exactly. During filming, an actual fire broke out in one of the sets. And Steve McQueen found himself briefly helping real firemen to put it out. One of the firemen, not recognizing McQueen, said to the actor, My wife is not going to believe this. To which McQueen replied, neither is mine. <laughs> After seeing this film, novelist Roderick Thorpe had a dream that some that same night about a man being chased through a skyscraper by gun wielding assailants. This was the inspiration for the 1979 book. Nothing lasts forever, which was eventually turned which into diehard. Yes. Yeah. So see, without this movie, you don't get Die Hard. That's why it's nominated. That's because in the future, they knew that Die Hard was coming. At the time, um, oh, God, what's the famous future seer guy's name? Nostradamus Nostradamus was on the uh, Oscar nominating committee. (laughs) Well, it was actually his brother (laughs) that you meet in. Nostradamus. No, the the guy, the character from, not spam a lot. Something's Rotten. Oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> now I can't remember. Yeah. The guy that had the best song the, the in the Bro- entire yeah, show. the Broadway song. Yeah. Great. Good show. Not great show. Good show. Good show. Great, great song. song. Good show. Like, we we had talked about how that is, like, one of the only times we've ever seen, like, it's not during an act break, but after he's done his song, everyone in the auditorium literally stood up. It was cheering. Yep. Like, that's how good that song that was. That was a great song. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, So, yeah. That's why you have. That's why it gets nominated. You know, I'll give you. I'll give you all of that. Like I watch it going, okay, I get it. Yeah. It just. It just did. Which is actually kind of a shame. I was really actually more than any of these movies. I was looking forward to. the I saved it Inferno. to last because of that. Like I, I was like, this for... is the one I want to see. This is. The I, one I saw want to Godfather see? before we saw it in the theater. Right. And I've seen Chinatown. You know, Lenny in the conversation. I'm like, okay, but I'm like, Towering Inferno. That's right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, and I, I was disappointed but through maybe my own expectations and not the yeah. movie's fault. But yeah. that's okay. Lenny. Yes, Lenny directed by Bob Fosse based on the play Fossey, in three play Fossey. by Fossey. Julian Perry starring Dustin Hoffman, Valerie Perrine Sorry, hold on. Valerie Perrine That doesn't work. That's test mocker doesn't work. Jan Miner nominated for Tom Major. Tom Major. Yeah. I saw I just stopped writing. No. Um I had to save my fingers for The Godfather (laughs) and for for Towering Inferno. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Hoffman, Actress for Perrine, Director, Adapted Screenplay, and Cinematography. It won zero awards. Good. I knew you wouldn't like this movie. And honestly, I didn't really care for it either. Honestly, I'm surprised it got nominated for any of those awards. I know exactly why it got nominated in in here. I will... Tell you I will tell you why. Sure. So anyway, this is the story of uh true story of um comic Lenny Bruce, who was uh groundbreaking groundbreaking comedian. Without Lenny Bruce, you don't get George Carlin, you don't get Eddie Murphy, basically anybody that talks about anything on stage that remotely resembles real life, you don't get without Lenny Bruce. You don't get Mr. Rogers. You don't get (laughs) Mr. Rogers. Um in most of his most of his stand up is was deemed too obscene for, for Yes, he was arrested for obscenity many times. He is a recurring character on the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime if that name sounds vaguely familiar to you. I wish that that was the version that I only knew and not this one. This one made me sad. Though I thought Dustin Hoffman was spectacular. I thought he was Dustin Hoffman. Uh having I watched Lenny Bruce stuff. He was a really good Lenny Bruce like he looked like Lenny Bruce mm-hmm. and if no other reason because the picture at the end of his dead body yeah. is actually Lenny Bruce. Wow, that's amazing. I was what I, I was I was th- I wasn't sure cuz I was like wow, that's yeah. that's bold. So, Spoiler, Lenny Bruce died. Yeah. Yeah, so here's the ultimate problem and this has nothing to do with Lenny Bruce, the the subject matter or his story. So okay. This movie just does a horrible version at telling anything. It's it's done. Here's here's why I think it gets nominated. I don't like the way this movie's edited. I don't like its cinematography, or I I don't agree with its nominations. But I think here's why it gets nominated. It's done like a stand-up set. His story is told through these like various like interspersed stand-ups slash the interviews but you don't find out are really like post-death interviews unless you know the story of Lenny Bruce and then it's it's barely obvious I mean I hear what you're saying yeah I'm saying I don't think it's a I don't think it's achieved very well and I and also it's it's uh it's filmed it's black and white because it it's I my guess is Fosse wanted to make it look like the era, like the forties. Well because he was he was being brought up on obscenity charges because people were just looking at it very black and white. I don't think you could read into it that way too. Yeah. I just made that up. I have no clue. That was great though. I know. Thank you. I've been hanging around you too long. You have been. (laughs) That was really good. So here's the ultimate problem. I'm changing my star rating. Like (laughs) I'm (laughs) <laughs> I, it's getting all of my rewindies this year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the stuff that they use for his stand-up is good, is okay. I don't know if it's his best stuff. If it is, I seriously doubt like he's as great of a comedic genius as people think he is. He is original, and he breaks the mold. Fine, I mm-hmm. give him that. Like he has the place in history because of that. That's right. But if that's his best bits, they're they're okay at best. I don't like, know I, if they're his best bits. They're the bits they needed to tell his to story. to tell the story. You know how you you know how you do this? Hmm. You actually just tell the story. Yeah, honestly, there's yes. an interesting story there. Mm-hmm. Like he started from nothing. Like he wasn't he wasn't that good until he started doing the blue stuff, mm-hmm. and then he blew up like i want to i want to know more about his about his um court cases i want to know more about his drug habit which really comes out of nowhere comes out of nowhere right if you didn't know he had a like if you didn't know he had a drug habit well you know that uh his wife does right honey right but
1: but there's nothing that's ever a, a, like no, that this, says
0: he does too. No, until like the very end, it tries where to glorify like, him and then almost sweep his death under the rug. Like, right? Oh no, no, no. He wasn't. It's a like drug oh, she came back into his life, and then he became an addict, and then he overdosed. The yeah. end. Like that's exactly like how it goes. Yep. And I don't think that's <clears throat> that's not on Hoffman or Perine. I think that is a the way that Foxy chose to tell the narrative. Right. It's it's the way the the film's written. It's the way the film's shot. It cuts back and forth too much. And when it goes back to his actual life in between the sets and the interviews, Mm -hmm. you don't know how much time has passed, what's been going on, and stuff just comes out of nowhere. Like, even him getting arrested, like, it's just he starts doing the blue stuff, automatically he's arrested. Like, there's some sort of buildup there. Like, he didn't just... Decide to go out on set one day And start saying this stuff That's right So there's a story to be told And I would really love somebody To tackle this biopic again Yeah You know if you really want to watch A good version of it Just watch the Marvels, Mrs. Maisel Honestly, Okay It's kind of telling a similar-ish story um, Without the drug abuse But as a comedy But also with Tony Shalhoub So As Lenny Bruce no, I don't know who plays Lenny Bruce. He does he does a better job at he's almost like a caricature of Lenny Bruce more than Lenny Bruce himself, but I really would recommend it. Yeah. And I mean, as far as the acting goes, Dustin Hoffman's fine. And yeah, he looks like Lenny Bruce, but again, it's the same thing like Jack Nicholson. I just see Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. I think Dustin Hoffman like if I need to do another comparison, I think Hook is like Dustin Hoffman's like I forgot that that's you. Yeah, that's your disappear role. Um, The only reason I say that one particularly is because I was a long time ago. I think I was in college, and it was on TV, and I was watching it, and my dad came in the room, and we were kind of watching it. And I said, yeah, Dustin Hoffman is just the best. And He's like, that's Dustin Hoffman? Like, we had watched this movie for years as kids. And my dad never, ever connected that that was Dustin Hoffman. He thought you were talking about Tinkerbell. Yes, yes. He thought Julia Roberts was Dustin Hoffman. He's that good. Yeah. He is. Well, give me some fun facts on Lenny. Da, 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 da I believe it's the first one. Yes. The scene in which Lenny, Dustin Hoffman, does his act in a raincoat near the end of the film came from a real-life show that a student, ta- a student tape recorded and sent to Hoffman. Lenny's lines are directly from the tape that's cool. The character... uh don't want to save that one for last. Al Pacino was offered the part of Lenny Bruce and turned it down. He later regretted it, saying it after seeing the film. Wait, uh, Dustin Hoffman, You said? No, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. Well, I'm Lenny Bruce. Hoo-ha! Yeah, I don't think I would have liked that very much. Nah, it would have been great. I don't think so. The character of Sherman Hart, played by Lucille Ball's last husband, Gary Morton, is based on Milton Burrow. His real name wasn't used because Burrow was still alive, and there were fears he would sue for libel. The character uses all of Burrow's mannerisms and trademark shtick, including sticking a cigar under his top lip in the most 70s racially insensitive scenes in the movie. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. He was making I'd, a point. I don't remember. Yeah. He no. was making a point that. Oh wait, no, you're not talking about you're not talking about the on stage where he's like calling everybody different ethnic slurs, right? No, I'm talking about the guy with the cigar that he's like, hey, the the great blah 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 blah, oh, is, and yeah, the guy like bad. sticks the yeah. cigar under his lip mm-hmm. and acts like a Chinese person. Yes, I don't know if Milton Berle ever did that. I know Milton Berle used to stick the cigar under his top lip, but I've never like I've seen him do it, but I've never seen him say anything while doing it so i don't know if that was a chinaman bit if it was bad Mm -hmm. um but like i was like oh yeah no this is You, you can't it's bad but you also i don't know how far you can judge a previous generation for like living in the context of their time and this is like a movie like about a previous time, besides, so we're like two time periods removed. This is we're watching this in what was two thousand. We're watching this in what was twenty nineteen. Yeah, and then which movie was made in the seventies about the fifties? You know what I mean. Um, uh, our our um, friend Lisa from I love that. I love that movie. Love that movie. Um, we've talked about this uh, through direct message. Uh, once or twice, and if I remember correctly, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa, but she had said like, when you have something like this, she doesn't hold it in the same context as it would be nowadays, Mm -hmm. so you still kind of judge it, but it's done. You can't do anything, especially something that far back. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like liking Chinatown doesn't necessarily mean you support Roman Polanski. That's correct. But going to see a Roman Polanski movie now would. Be the, what is what's done is done. Right. Yes, mostly yes. I think that I think that you you can look and say, I because she I actually disagree. she just did Chinatown. Right. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, she did Chinatown not too long ago on her podcast. Yeah. Um, so. Like, yeah, like him sticking a cigar under his lip and then acting Chinese as a caricature. Yeah, it's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what happened back then. Like, I've actually been going back and watching the Dean Martin celebrity roast Mm -hmm. on uh, Amazon Prime because they have a bunch of them. Oh, yeah. And uh, some of the stuff is really funny. And some of the stuff I sit there going, ooh. Like, especially the – especially, like, perfect example – the Roast of Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, I can see how that's not going to go well. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm going to move on okay. if you don't mind. The Godfather Part 2, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, written by Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo, based on the book by Mar- and characters by Mario Puzo. Starring Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, John Cazale, Talia Shire, Michael V. Gazzo, and Lee Strasberg. And Mario Puzo. And Mario Puzo, sure. He played that guy that he jumps went. onto the car. Ah, Oh, yeah, that's my favorite guy. Yep. Um, nominated uh, actors and whatever else who were nominated, uh, Al Pacino for Best Actor, Supporting Actor for Gazzo, Supporting Actor for Strasberg, Supporting Actress for Shire, and Costume Design. It's movie one, Best Picture, supporting actor for De Niro, director, adapted writing, art direction, and music. Right? Um, Godfather Part Two tell is a split narrative between the early life and career of Vito Corleone, the coming to America and then rising to, to rising to become America. the Godfather. Uh, and, um, and then his son, Michael in his continuing role as the Godfather in quote, the modern day, which is not our modern day anymore. And it was neither their time because this movie was made in the seventies. So uh, I think Godfather two is a masterpiece from top to bottom. Okay. I think it's that too is, long, but that, that is one for Coppola. That is a take. Um, I th- I, think there are pro- I think there are problems. I think there are problem. I think you could pull apart any movie, mm. but I think it's an excellent film. I'm not a Godfather lover the way that so many people are. I I l- I think Godfather three is the best one. My mom thinks that too. You are not alone, right? Because it has um, Sophia Coppola. Uh yeah, she's just a kid in that one, isn't she? No, she's uh she's in her twenties okay. at that point. Okay. Uh, because it was the it was the early nineties that mm. it was done. So, so when I originally saw these movies, mm-hmm. I really liked the third one. Didn't really like the first two. We've discussed on the show before. Like, don't try and get me to like the person who is obviously not a good person. Sure. Like I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like they break the law. Why am I gonna root for them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what mafia movies do. That's right. Well, especially well, The Godfather really does that. That's really the first one to be like, this is the Yeah. These are these are the people you you should like even mm-hmm. though they're not right. good people. So, I mean, that being said, I always found The Godfather to be a little overhyped. Um is it overhyped be- is it is it overhyped because you don't like the way it's constructed, or you just personally? I just are opposed don't really to... like it. Yeah. But we just saw this in the theater, mm-hmm. we did. Um, so it's the first time I had seen it in quite a few years, and I liked it more. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I think it's. I think it's well made. Mm-hmm. It's well shot. It's definitely well acted. I just don't really care about mafia. Sure. Yeah. And That's kind of where I sit. Too. And in this instance, I don't really. I didn't need the split narrative like I get the split narrative like he's becoming the Don and so's and to some extent so's Michael. That's right. Like we end the last movie Michael taking over the family because his father died. The baptism scene. Yeah. Right. But he we don't really see him become the godfather. We see him become the godfather in this. And you see the you obviously see the the mirroring of father and son. In the split narrative, that's correct. It's called multiple timeline structure. If you want to use the real no, never, term. never say that again. Multiple timeline structure. There is also when we were working at blockbuster. There is a cut of this movie that um, is two minutes. N- no, there is a cut of the first two movies that's done in chronological order. So you would have yeah. the you would have the past stuff with Vito coming to America and rising up, and then you would have the events of Godfather, and then you have Godfather 2. Uh, the the Michael stuff in Godfather 2. And that, because I believe it's called like the saga, mm-hmm. that I think is a much like, yeah, it's a TV movie at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a TV miniseries, but I think that's where this movie kind of would would really serve well. Like, if this is like a HBO show, yeah, I can understand. I, I think that comes down to this. Is, this this is a conversation I think which comes down to personal taste because, like you said, like it, it does, it does what it does very well. Right. You just don't happen to like that style. Yeah. And um, I don't think that the whole veto stuff is necessary. See, I think the veto. St- well, is any story truly necessary? No, probably not. I think the veto stuff is the most interesting. So I, I had the op, I have the opposite take where Michael's fine, but I care about Vito more. I'm maybe because just the, caricature of the godfather is more she famous just like or... the guy who randomly jumps up on the yes he's car. the best yeah <laughs> hello it's me <laughs> i guess i made it a gif it didn't exist in the world and i made i it. know yeah i've only used it once i'm going to use it sparingly. <laughs> yeah it's going to be a special thing it's a spe- it's going to be a special event yeah gift. yeah exactly uh i think i think the movie is really i like I like when movies are thematic and when there's something to pull out something out of them as many Oscar pictures have. And I think the multiple timeline structure allows you to see the parallels a little bit more clearly between father and son. And I think that's why the movie is interesting because even though they're at a distance in different times, it really still is a movie about fathers and sons. Like the first one is. Yeah. Uh, and it still about the family. In the whole, fa- but it's about the whole family, not just you know this little nuclear, you know regular nuclear mom and mom comes home. No, none people. of these movies are about those. No, they are not. No, no, the family, ev- everybody's involved. Yeah. So, I, I, mm, I, I respectfully disagree. Though I do agree that the mafia movies are not my thing. Right. I just like I just don't care. And this movie is like four days long. It is really long. We sat in a movie theater to see this. Yeah, yeah. I missed the kiss too. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I was down below. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have a good. I have a good Frito story. If you want, if you're interested. Fredo. No, no, no. I it, it ties in. It ties go in. Ahead. Okay. So Fredo, Frito. I was at this conference a long time, a couple of years ago, and it was a how to effectively teach fantasy in the classroom. And the guy in the presentation kept saying, Frodo, Frodo, using Lord of the Rings as an example. And the teacher, the fellow teacher I was with turned to me at one point. He's like, why does he keep talking about the Godfather? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, Frito. You mean Frodo of Lord of the Rings? He's like, oh, my God. I thought he was talking about Michael's brother. <laughs> no. 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 Get out. I don't teach with him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I fired him. I fired him myself. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> Um. Uh. I, I, actually that scene, their confrontation scene. Yeah. I use it to talk about um, like composition of frame because there's a there's like who holds the power in the scene. Michael's always standing, and and uh, Fredo is like constantly like at like he's down in like slumped in his seat like backwards, so he's a horizontal line, and and Michael's a, a vertical line. You know what I'm talking about? yep and so is it like fredo like tries to reassert his dominance like i want to do something like i'm sorry i want to do you know that exact exact moment right and he like kind of comes up out of the chair and then he's like oh no and he like falls right back down he never like ascends to michael's level so like the whole scene is about him wanting to be what michael is and he just can't even get up to do it himself yeah that's why i think this movie like you it allows for things like that. Those things are done on purpose because it's Francis Ford Coppola. Sometimes those things are very accidental. Francis Ford Coppola movies, those things are on purpose. I, I mean... I'm going to assume you're right, because after you said the word confrontation, I just started singing the song from Les Mis in my head, so I completely missed all that. You see each, each other, other plane. Anyway, uh, anyway <laughs> we don't have time for this. We're going to see a musical. <laughs> we have to leave. Oh, we do, because I am hungry. Yeah, we have to leave. Okay, so, so fun, fun facts. facts. Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro are the only two actors to ever win separate Oscars for playing the same character. Brando won Best Actor for The Godfather in 1972, and De Niro won Best Actor in Supporting Role for this movie, both in the role of Vito Corleone. Coincidentally, neither actor was present to accept the award. If I remember correctly, that was when, um, uh, what's his name, Marlon Brando sent a person who looked like an Indian to the stage. Yes, that would be correct. Mm-hmm. Turns out it wasn't a real Indian, if I remember correctly. I did not know that. I believe so. Well, we'll find out on those fun facts. Okay. Al Pacino caused problems throughout the production, demanding a massive salary and heavy script rewrites. He frequently com- com- complained about Francis Ford Coppola's slow pace, yelling Serpico only took 19 days and threatened to quit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. This movie's better than Serpico. Oh. I don't know. I've never seen it. Originally, it was supposed to be Clemenza who agrees to testify against the Corleones. According to Francis Ford Coppola, Richard S. Castellano, who was the highest paid actor in The Godfather, wanted to write his own lines and wanted a large salary increase. Consequently, his character was replaced by Frankie Pantagli, Michael Gazzo, who received an Oscar nomination for the performance. But according to Ardell Sheridan, Castellano... Castellano refused to rein, regain the fifty pounds required for the role due to health reasons. So Coppola decided to replace him rather than have a thinner Clemenza. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, um, like Towering Inferno and this have a lot of fun facts. I cut it. I always cut down to three. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely ones out there. Go and read some of these because there's also one about how. Like, this movie is not necessarily based on the book. No, it's not. It's Like, it's almost, just the it, flashback scenes, I think. It's almost original. It's pretty much yeah. original material. Yeah, it's just like the flashback scenes. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. Yeah. Um, I had something to add. Oh, I was saying this. Uh, I've seen this re- online a bit, and uh, my wife and I were watching The Irishman, and we were commenting on that De Niro really got his big break playing a younger Marlon Brando and now he's almost wrapping up his career playing a younger version of himself in another mafia movie it's like this weird little cycle that he's done I mean I definitely don't think he's wrapping up his career no but you know what I mean he's yeah. in the later half of his career I will say um I have a f- I don't think the Irishman's going to get nominated for best picture I think we're recording this before nominations come out. Well, I definitely mean, before nominations How about those Oscars? Yeah. I if, mean, can you believe you this that thing episode won? doesn't come out until like February, January, February? Yeah. So, um, so I don't like, I think it's going to get nominated for some stuff. I don't think it's going to get nominated for Best Picture only because I believe there's still enough hardliners in the academy mm-hmm. that won't let. A movie that was just basically straight to Netflix. Yeah, but, get nominated. It, but it did go to theaters, and that is the. It, it could be in one theater and be nominated for an Oscar. That's the rule, right? But that' what I'm saying is, like, the hardliners really hate movies that do that. Looking at you, Steven Spielberg. But um, he yeah, well, anyway. so uh, yeah, because you have to be in the, a theater to get uh nominated. That's, for that's an Oscar. correct. Um. Time will tell, or perhaps we already know. But who's to say? But what I'm saying is, I think the three actors in this movie did the best that they've done in a long time. Joe Pesci because he hasn't done anything in a while. Uh, oh, oh, in Al the Pacino Man. was great. Bessie's been Bessie yeah. had been in years. I agree. We yeah. can talk about the Irishman another time. Perhaps it's one of our top ten lists. But this episode will come out after our top ten lists are out. So we're just all over the place today. This is yeah. a multiple timeline structured podcast. Yeah. Is what this is. Excellent. Let's do the rewindies. Yay! All right, actor, actress, supporting actor, supporting actress, cinematography, special effects, production design, sound editing, gotcha, music writing, and best picture. All right, good. Best actor. Really, we're going to start with best actor. We always start with best actor. Yeah, it's literally I, always the first one. I suppose. Uh, best actor. I am going to give it to um, Al Pacino. Al Pacino. I was real close with the Al Pacino. I'm going to give it to Dustin Hoffman. For Lenny. Okay. Best actress. Uh, best actress I would give to. Uh, that's. Don't want yeah, to come back Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. Okay. I'm going to give it to Valerie Perine for Lenny as well. Mm. Two of them. Supporting actor. Go ahead. Robert De Niro for The Godfather. John Houston. For. Uh, oh. Oh. For Chinatown. For Chinatown. I really wanted to give it to Fredo. I think he does a terrific job oh, in almost in any movie he's amazing. in, and he's in two movies this year. Mm-hmm. But John Houston just did really good. Oh yeah, De Niro for was such just, a short time. De Niro was tops. Supporting actress. Go ahead, Faye Dunaway for Chinatown. Okay, uh, I would give it to uh, um. His his wife and Godfather, Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton, Keaton. Keaton. coming with the Diane Keaton cinematography. Cinematography, Chinatown. I'm going to give it to The Godfather, part two. Special effects. Towering, and Towering Inferno. Towering Inferno. Well, unless you wanted to count the 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 gun wounds from The Godfather. <laughs> there really wasn't much to go on here. Um, production design. Chinatown. Oh, Godfather, part two. That tell, it's two simultaneous timelines, and you don't even think and about it. And they're just wearing suits. but. It's everything. It's the set dressing. It's the cars. The, the like the road. Like you just don't think about it. Which is the best production design, like realistic production design, is the one that you don't notice. You just assume that it's real. If you say so, and that is so. Production design for the Godfather Part Two. Sound editing. Sound editing. Conversation. The conversation. That's why I added yeah. it in. It deserves <laughs> enough. It deserves something. Uh, music. Chinatown. I'm gonna give it to Chinatown too. Excellent music. Uh, I'm sorry. Godfather was essentially just the Godfather Part One soundtrack. That's why I'm giving yeah. it to Chinatown. I agree. Uh Best Writing? Chinatown. I'm gonna give it to Godfather Part Two and Best Picture. Chinatown. Chinatown, Godfather Part Two for me. I respect your I respect your choice yeah. though. Yeah. I mean, for me, Godfather Two was gonna be the choice until I got to the rewatch of Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And It like Chinatown was another one. I don't really remembering loving when I watched it. Mm -hmm. I definitely liked it a lot more. I wouldn't say I love it, but it is definitely higher up to me than Godfather Two, and especially just time wise. Like if I'm going to sit down and rewatch one of these movies, it's gonna be Chinatown. Yeah, no, I'm I. Yeah, probably wouldn't rewatch Godfather. I probably wouldn't rewatch any of them anytime soon. Honestly, except Towering Inferno, but it might be Chinatown just for the length. I'm going to I'm going to go home and watch Towering Inferno again. You do what you want. I am going to watch the 1965 Best Picture nominees. Would you like to know what they are? Uh, I suppose so. OK, great. Uh, I'm going to go home and and by home, I mean, I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> and by I'm home, gonna, I mean, I'm going to go out my I'm door go right out there. this door over there. Uh, Zorba the Greek, Dr. Strangelove, Mary Poppins, Beckett and My Fair Lady. Ah, Nice. Yeah, it's gonna be a good year. Yeah, I mean, just for Doctor Strange, My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins, and Beckett. Yeah. Maybe he's of the Greek. I don't know. I've never yeah, seen. Who that. knows? Yeah, or yeah. maybe I have. Who's to say? Multiple <laughs> timeline structure. <laughs> okay. Well, you can find us on uh, academyrewind.com dot com and Gmail and Twitter. You can rate and review us on iTunes. Find us other places podcasts can be found. You can go to patreon dot com slash thopable audio to donate uh, to all the thopable audio shows to keep the lights running cost money to watch these movies most of the time if they're not all on Amazon Prime looking at you towering in Varno. <laughs> so uh, patreon.com slash bubble audio is most helpful and uh, we will be back in a few weeks for 1965 Oscar nominated movies uh, hope to see you there and I'm done which is good because they're playing us off no I have so many people to thank oh, too bad bye bye